It ought to be remembered that there is nothing more difficult to take in hand, more perilous to conduct, or more uncertain in its success than to take the lead in the introduction of a new order of things. Because the innovator has for enemies all those who have done well under the old conditions and lukewarm defenders in those who may do well under the new. This coolness arises partly from fear of the opponents who have the laws on their side and partly from the incredulity of men who do not readily believe in new things until they have had a long experience of them. This, of course, is Niccolo Machiavelli in his seminal work, The Prince. And today, in episode 177 of the Managing Uncertainty podcast, we're going to be talking about strategy and innovation. And I'm always reminded of this quote. This is Brian Strauser, Principal and Chief Executive here at BrightPath. Hey, everybody. This is Barry Wheeler, Senior Consultant here at BrightPath. So to set up this conversation, one of the things that we do a lot of, it's probably the favorite thing that we do, is help organizations figure out how to deal with a strategy problem that's in front of them, right? They're coming up on a company, coming up on some type of pivot um, in the organization strategy. And our part of this to figure out is in our space. It's how do we help them reposition, realign, reinvent some element or all of their program around resiliency. It might be crisis management, business continuity, crisis communications, disaster recovery, corporate security, uh, GSOC. It's something around those areas that we're taking on. And to me, this this kind of problem solving is the favorite thing that we ever get to do. Well, it's always, I shouldn't say it's always, but oftentimes there's a precipitating situation or yeah, incident or something. there's an incident or an act or... Yeah, that sort of causes everybody to sort of jump you know, into this space and, you know, the space being the space, sometimes people don't know what they don't know. And sometimes they want to know everything and they want to jump at everything all at once or jump at things that they think are the most important. But again, to your point, there's no, there might not be a strategic sort of view on it and the implications back into the organization. And I think uh, at least coming into the beginning of this year, the last couple of years where we have taken on engagements like this, the question has really been around, you know, to your point, there's there's an act that kind of starts this process, right? The act for most of the last two years was the pandemic. There's it a pandemic. Was, there's a pandemic, yeah. Oh, okay. It hasn't ended. As I <laughs> as one of my friends notes just last night, uh, that he just got COVID for the first time in his life and he's you know, and he's on his first business trip. Of the last two and a half years. And oh, I, good. I felt bad for him. But a, a lot of the the strategy questions that we've been given, that we've dealt with as an organization the last couple of years, have been an outgrowth of COVID. COVID happened. Companies dealt with it. As they were coming out of the initial shock of COVID come early fall 2020, we had a ton of business come to us and say, we've recognized we don't have a business continuity, crisis management capability. Pandemic taught us that we need one. Help us build one. And a lot of our problem solving, program evaluation to implementation to support and maintenance over the last couple of years has been around that challenge. But now we're seeing some different challenges come and, at us. And they're almost, well, and I'll let you kind of table set it, but the one comment I'll kind of preface with is it's kind of oddly, it's kind of an oddly weird challenge 
to have this, you know, at this stage of a sort of post-pandemic situation in terms of those challenges. I'll let you set it up. But. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I won't, we won't get into the specific details of kind of what precipitated us thinking of this topic, but one of the things that we've seen more recently um, over the last few months has been a lot of companies have had leadership change more recently. And I'm talking about the top executive, the CEO or a university president or a nonprofit executive director um, or something similar. And they have come to us and said, there's a new vision for our organization. And we're trying to figure out how do we align our work around resiliency to this new vision of where the company, the nonprofit, the university is going. And a lot of folks are, are struggling with this. Uh, and I know a lot of people struggle with change. Like my younger daughter, if you move her cheese, it's a really bad day. Right. Right. And you, I mean, you've got four kids. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Um, I think anybody with kids <laughs> understands the the nuances but, of. But as we've change. worked as we've worked with clients. Yeah. This year, I think there's one thing that has really stood out around this, and it, it it's not. I've seen this in different parts of my career as I've worked around innovation and different ideas. Is that in order to truly think about new strategy, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to be Cortez. You got to be willing to get to the new world yep. and burn your ships. Yep. I'm not talking about burning relationships, but I'm talking about I'm. You've got to be willing to set fire to the strategies that have gotten you to this point, because the strategies that are going to get you over this next hump might not be the same way of doing things. Well. I and this this goes to my prefacing comment, which is one, everybody's just gone through this pandemic experience for most of us for the first time ever in our lives, you know, especially those that can remember. But then it it also has demonstrated in kind of pretty stark terms that need for doing things differently and adapting to things differently, and perhaps it's somewhat of a burnout factor and people are kind of desiring to get back to normal quote unquote. But I think it is a really interesting kind of thing that we're starting to see with clients and other organizations in terms of being willing to adapt and to your point, burning the ship to know that, look, whatever we did in the past, we've just gone through doing all that in kind of, making ourselves comfortable in the space, let's use that to our advantage as we go forward and really take a good look at what can we do? What can we do differently? What opportunities can we seize? Not only just what risk can we mitigate, but what opportunities can we seize as a part of this? God, if there's anything I've learned through my career too is that you, when these opportunities arise and when somebody proposes something that's radically different than what you've been doing, the worst thing you can do out of the gate is just dismiss it. Yes. Because I can't tell you how many times in my career someone's come to me and said, we should do X. And I've been like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And three minutes later, I'm advocating to do that exact thing because through the process of thinking through the issue, I've come to the same conclusion that this person was at already. Right. I mean, it reminds me of this conversation one time at our former employer where my boss comes to me at the time I was uh, 
I love a blow being a director. I worked for the head of global security who was the director of global security. And he comes to me and goes, I think we should have a global intelligence program. And I think you should lead it. You know, it should be one of your teams under, you know, with your other teams. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't have any Intel experience. I don't know anything about global intelligence. I don't know that we need a global intelligence program. Thank goodness you changed your mind. Oh my God. 90 days later, I'm presenting to get the budget to do the thing. And I have a career and you have a career. Um, but I, but that's the, you know, I'm just reminded of these conversations we've had with clients this year yep. where it's been, here's how we think about doing, about solving the problem that you just outlined for us. Here's the times where we've done it. Here's where it's worked. Here's why it's better to do this. And it, and then, you know, confronting us in this conversation are folks who have never seen that. They can't wrap their heads around it because it's so radically different than how they've done things that they then spend the next 30 minutes explaining to us why it won't work. But I already know this script that a month from now, they're going to be standing there advocating that this is exactly how we should do things because they will have seen the examples of how that works. Or they've gone out and talked to their network, their people, and probably come to a realization that it's not as uncommon as they believed it to be. It's not as, you know, kind of crazy as it seemed in in the first place, even though I don't think we advocate for anything too crazy. But, you know, I think it is that willingness of, and also, you know, I think on the flip side, those that are presenting some of those ideas to give some latitude to people's sort of resistance, but not completely deferring to what it is to their reaction either to understand that like look people are going to sit in this room and go whoa this is crazy how is this ever going to work that's never going to work but then continuing to drive it forward and making the case and seizing these opportunities to your point they're going to get there and if they're not going to get there they're probably not long for the for the role or the work because it's the Either work by is their gonna, choice, the or, work's going to evolve. Yeah, or by somebody else's choice. It's just that it's clearly not the right dynamic culture fit anymore. Well, it's it's the same reason we think about jobs, positions that people are in as organizations grow. The roles have to scale. Yep. And this will sound more callous than I intended, but not everybody can scale with the role that they're in. There are people who have done this incredibly well and their ability to lead larger and larger capabilities and functions over the long term is impressive as hell but a lot of people can't make that leap as the role as the company grows and the role scales a lot of people can't do that and you've got to bring in different talent to kind of advance things yeah um but the strategy element remains that if you're going to innovate you've got to be willing to set fire to the thing that you've been doing and approach it in a wholly different way. Um, I'm reminded of these discussions. I think the, I think this is a great example, and, and it's a public one, so we can talk about it. But um, at our former employer, a retailer, we had this parking lot crime challenge, and we were trying to figure it out. We were looking at, okay, what are the normal ways in which you address parking lot crime and you know there's some established principles around this right yep we look at lighting we look at cameras we look at signing we look at enforcement we look at 
you know, visibility of security or police. You know, we try to catch cases. We try to prosecute those cases. We try to make a big deal out of that. All those things led to some incremental improvements, but they weren't getting us to where we wanted to go. There were two things that happened that we did that worked. One of which I understood from the beginning, although nobody, a lot of people didn't. And that was buying Segways and later other patrol vehicles to patrol the parking lot because it, it, it caught your attention. It was unusual. It was innovative. Yep. It got security up off the ground. You could, had a better field of vision. Um, but there's a lot of battles around getting that done because people were like, well, I just buy these toys. And nobody believed us until we piloted it with data. And then everyone went, oh, wow, big drop in crime. That's awesome. The other one, which none of us believed in, including my boss or his boss, was to put parking lot signing about cameras. And I thought that was just the dumbest thing. Like, no criminal is going to be persuaded by this. But we did the test because the CEO wanted it done. And damn it, he was right. And it dropped parking lot crime significantly in the lower risk locations. So it was a really interesting – I mean, we did the data, and that kind of took us there. But we all walked into that very skeptical, but we followed the data. The data took us to the answer. Well, and there was, and to that point, and to the point you just made, there's there wasn't a universal answer necessarily to that question. There were universal things that sort of applied across the board, but for higher impact places that needed a higher impact of lowering that risk, Segways is a great investment mm-hmm. for those lower risk ones. Just putting up a sign, because chances are most people weren't. There wasn't a whole lot of crime there anyway but if you can shrink what existing there is by 50 percent win the uh so i think my my advice around this one is use data data is always great yes but the the one's a mindset you have to be willing to you know just keep think about cortez i got to be willing to set fire to my ships to move forward um but the other one is um i think just this realization that what got you to where you're at strategy wise is not going to get you to that next point, particularly if your company is pivoting alongside that. I think the the other question that I've started to ask myself and I used in just in a client conversation just last week was this, if you were starting over and you had none of this institutional baggage, you had none of this strategic baggage, you're starting over and you've got a pot of gold here to implement whatever strategy you want. You're not beholden to anything that was done before. What would you do? And it's just like when somebody comes into an organization from the outside. They're not tied to all of the stuff that was done before. And they're the ones that in the first 90 days shake the place up. They're like, no, I want it to be done this way. This is what I see. Here's how I want to do it. They're not tied to all of that organizational baggage from before. You can do that internally, but you got to be willing to set aside the way that things have been done. Yeah. And I think even, even as we were talking with clients just, you know, just this week is really embracing that change and then following it through. So even when it gets rough, even when you start to feel like, ooh, this is uncomfortable, I don't like this, this isn't how we've always done it. And you start drifting back. It's continuing to remind yourself, we burn the ships. We can't 
go back. So how do we, how do we pivot? How do we adjust? How do we make different choices? How do we reinforce building this new culture? And that's, that's a large part of what we always push too is you can build all these fancy things and put in all these great strategies, but if there's not sort of a organizational cultural consideration within it, you're going to, it's really going to struggle throughout. So not only burning the ships, but you have to get everybody to buy into the fact that, look, we burn the ships and our new culture is we're going to move forward from here and it might be uncomfortable. We might have to reassess, pivot, do all these different changes. It's going but, to be uncomfortable. But we, we got to keep moving yes. forward. Don Draper in Mad Men had it right. My life moves in one direction, forward. It's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Doing this is an, is an uncomfortable thing, but these are the things that leaders do. And I think our industry in particular is really just tied to the past in ways that we're not willing to set aside. It, it It's not just business continuity, which I think still lags yeah. the business community, or crisis management, which I think still holds on to some things for too long. But the security industry as a whole is so tied to this guards and gates and guns and handcuffs. And that's just not the way things are going. Right. It's, it is a very dynamic space. It just is because it is tied to everything that is becoming very dynamic. Technology has changed. The way we work has changed. All these things are highly, highly dynamic. This stuff is changing whether the old, you know, the old thought process, the old ways of doing things wants to or not. Mm-hmm. It just is. I'll, I'll end with this story because I think it's indicative of what we've been talking about. And it, it's this. Um, business leader uh, that I was with recently uh, was relating an experience that they had with consultants that they chose poorly on and brought in about reinventing their security strategy. And that she had asked them, you know, what are some issues that we should be thinking about in terms of forward leading for security? This was in a healthcare setting. And the consultants who were former FBI folks said, well, we'd like to take a look at, you know, what bullets you guys are using for your armed security officers to make sure you have the right recommendations. And I'm like. That's not bullet points. That's, that's <laughs> ammunition. <laughs> and I'm like, so. Of the things that you thought were going to be important in this conversation from future security strategy, was that on your list of things? And of course, <laughs> no, no. So when we're talking about strategy, this is really what we're talking about. You, you just the willingness to set aside the norms of how you've done this in the past and think about things in a different way. That's it for this edition of the Managing Uncertainty podcast. We'll be back next week with another new episode. Be well.